this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how are you on this Monday? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Lindsey? Um, I'm just pretty happy that the NFL season is over. To be honest with you, it's been a it's been a long. Uh, time. We'll be we'll be we'll be pining for I don't know um, Panthers Titans in no time. I didn't really enjoy it though. To be honest with you, um, it just wasn't an enjoyable 2023 season. I I know that there's no off season in the NFL. You get free agency. We'll have franchise tag news starting next week. Um, the NFL draft, all of that, and obviously Joe Burrow rehab updates. But I'm just kind of glad we put that one. It's over. We move on. Um, Kansas City and the 49ers to begin with. Wasn't really a lot going on. It was a defensive battle uh, for the most part in the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs winning 25-22. to 22. Um, I'll say it was going into the game, I picked Kansas City to win. Uh, so obviously not surprised that they were able to pull it off. But if you're the 49ers this morning, you have to feel so sick because there were so many opportunities, not only in the first half, um, some of the decision making. I want to get to the overtime um, guessing and, you know, what they should have and, and shouldn't do. But obviously we can always say that, you know, hindsight's 2020 after the game is over and maybe the decision didn't work out in your favor. But kind of just want to start with this game overall. Um it was, you know, credit to Kansas City's defense. It was the defense I trusted more and the 49ers defense I started to see more from uh, when Greenlaw went down. It was a huge difference for their linebackers, it felt like. Um, I want to say the backup linebacker who went in there, the pass rating was like 159. They targeted him six times and one touchdown was scored because of him. So it was absolutely brutal day for him. Um, but yeah, just a defensive battle if you really enjoyed that. And obviously Patrick Mahomes was able to lead him down the field um, for the over time touchdown but just overall some of your thoughts on that game it was not my favorite game to watch at the start um i understood that some of it was you know a low scoring game because there was some great defense being played and some of it was a low scoring game because guys were fumbling and making a lot of mistakes early in that super bowl so that didn't feel great like i remember jokingly talking about uh I think I posted on Twitter, but also just in my with my friends that were over, I was like, Chris Conley, the Super Bowl MVP right now for being a good gunner and having 18 receiving yards. <laughs> it was <laughs> hard at first. And, and then, the, like, you because the 49ers are winning at that time. And then uh, it's like, well, you're going to give it to Purdy? He hasn't really done it. Even the passing touchdown wasn't him. I, I thought he played fine. I, th- I thought he was overall fine. Right. Missed some throws, missed some reads, made some throws made some plays. I mean, put him in a position to win, but is what it is. Um, then Mahomes and Kelsey happened. It's just kind of similar to what the 49ers did to the Lions. It felt like in the second half, it was just inevitable, kind of like watching the slow car crash of, uh, it looks like Casey's going to handle this one. But I will say early, and I mean early, early, when Chase Young smoked Donovan Smith with a swipe move for a sack, I thought, ooh, Casey in trouble? Like, I didn't really think that much about it because I was a Casey. I, I thought they'd win. But when that happened, I kind of – I don't know if it was just like a flashback to uh, 
what happened to them against the Bucks, or I just think like oh, this offensive line is not going to dominate the way that they did, or way that maybe we thought they'd be able to, or at least hold up in this situation. Like, is it going to be a bad situation? They don't have wide receivers to bail them out of it if they don't hold up. But it got better, and the pass rush over the course of the game felt like it slowed down. That was one of the bigger things. I mean, there were some adjustments being made and better play, also just finer, finer play being done but yeah overall i enjoyed it for the most part i definitely enjoyed the second half i don't have a rooting interest in either team so i was just trying to watch some good some good plays some good football being played um and lost my mind when i have watched and rewatched that third down in the low red zone in overtime from kyle shanahan deciding to pull his center and then the right guard makes a blunder. I didn't know who made the blunder. I'm not used to seeing a center pool and trying to figure out the protection from there. Um, but Jeff Schwartz, friend of the show, did a great job explaining it on Twitter. And I'm like, okay, I mean, like the right guard blundered here, right? Like the right guard made a mistake. And that's why this pressure happened. But why are you making it so hard on him? <laughs> like, what are we doing with pooling the center and doing that? Like, that's in that moment. Insane. Like such a huge part of the game. It was absolutely crazy to think about. I mean, there were so many times. I I, I actually, yeah, I know it's obviously easy to look at now. You'll see a lot of clips like, oh, that was a missed call. That was a missed call. I really felt like the officials were kind of letting the offensive lines play a little bit. Um, as we've heard most of the season, uh, you, you see the Kansas City tackles and it feels like they hold a lot, even and Bosa said it going into the game, but it really felt like they were just kind of letting all of them play. There were some really good plays, um, I want to say by um, uh, McDuffie. Uh, where I think, you know, in, in some games, some officials would have called a pass interference, but it was just really good defense. And I, I don't blame them for not calling it. It was a really good play by them. So overall, um, I felt like a defensive battle in the first half. Second half, you started to get things going. But if you're the 49ers, I mean, seriously, you go through that game this morning, you were waking up, you were thinking about the opportunity there, what you just mentioned for Brock Purdy, uh, the fumble when they were rolling down there in the first drive of the game. And it felt like, all right, they're really taking control. Brock feels really comfortable. They're going to be able to put some points on the board, at least a field goal. And you miss that opportunity. Then in the second half, just fall on the ball. And that doesn't turn into a score for Kansas City. Well, also, yeah, get your feet out of the way. Get out of the way. You got to know where the punt's going, man. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Uh, that was just crazy. mostly mostly unfortunate. I think that's wow. my main takeaway from that play was just like, wow, what a crappy play. <laughs> like, I didn't think like uh, – well, at first I thought Ray Ray just touched it for some reason. I was yeah. like, Ray Ray, what are you doing? And I watched it. I went like, get your feet out of the way. Like, try to get out of the way of the ball. But at the same time, like weird bounce and – it yeah. shouldn't have hit him, but it did. And that, yeah, like fall on the ball. Sure. I feel like heat of the moment, even seeing that it hit the heel was mm -hmm. something good from uh, the return man. But yeah, that just, if I, <laughs> that's the one that would kill me as a 49ers <laughs> fan. That in that third down I talked about would be the two things I'd be thinking about so much in this. Yeah. Now, I wanted to get to my one take. Okay, I remember, I remember during the season, we talked so much about how bad the Bengals offense, the offensive structure, people hate it. People hate this and that about the Bengals mm -hmm. offense. They hate how pass heavy it is. They hate all the drop back. Like, why can't they be like the Dolphins? Why can't they be like the 49ers? And I think 
these playoffs kind of showed what I was saying then, which is you only have so much time that you have to put your eggs into baskets in the off season, right. To build out your offense and the Bengals put a lot of eggs in the drop back passing offense, the 49ers, the dolphins, they put them into the run game and then to the play action game off of it and the RPOs. But what they don't put a lot of eggs into is the drop back passing game offense. And I feel like it showed up. I feel like this, this 49ers drop back pass game isn't, excellent and when you get into duels with patrick mahomes with yeah. these high-end quarterbacks and i mean this wasn't even a super high scoring game but mm-hmm. i just felt like when the 49ers need to throw the ball and they got into situations where we got to drop back we got to throw the ball we got to get wide we can't be condensed and just getting picks and getting crossers etc like they're covering that what else do we have they didn't have another bullet in the chamber of they're not going to see this one coming kind of like what Andy Reed threw at him at the end of the game, which we can talk about that play in a second. Yeah, but yeah. Just my, just my take is what the Bengals have always built their offense and people hate it in the regular season, but come playoff time, I know it hasn't been like some insight. No offense is that successful in the playoffs. Like you're playing the best of the best. Like the teams are scoring 40 points. They're playing, they're playing garbage playoff to like seven seeds. Like who cares? Uh, but, uh, or the bills, I guess. Um, but these drop back, the drop back passing game is how right now teams are winning the championship. They're not winning it by just having the effective run game, high end defense type of thing. Not often, at least it's having like in my brain, I was trying to think, has there been a hyper efficient offense that's in the Shanahan style that has won since Mike Shanahan won with the Broncos? No, I look at Kyle. I couldn't think of one, but I'm not an expert on like what those guys, what was happening in the 2000s. But yeah, what I, what I was thinking, I was like, I, I think Dad Shanahan is the only guy that ever took this offense. And he had John Elway and you could say McVay, but I don't think it was the same offense. Like when I watched that McVay offense at the Rams, it was drop back pass stuff and it was Stafford winning the game. It wasn't the offense continuing to be awesome. That Broncos won Terrell Davis. That's part of the reason in the Hall of Fame is because it was so awesome. But couldn't think of I know Kyle's lost it three times now, which yeah, feel your pain, but I couldn't think of another I, I couldn't think besides Mike Shannon and we could take it a step further. Has there been an offense like that that lifts up the quarterback, elevates the quarterback play that has been super successful in the playoffs? I don't know. Like it you could say this 49ers, but is it super successful in the playoffs if you get to the big game and lose? And maybe this is just narrative, small sample size type thing. But in my brain, I just think that is awesome for the regular season. Come playoff time, you need to be able to drop back and pass the ball when you get into situations like that. If Joe And we talk a lot about Joe's weapons, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. If Joe had Brandon, Debo, George Kittle, CMC. CMC. Use check. What a game from him to start yeah. out. And you know, fullbacks are people too. I want the Bengals to get oh, one. Oh, Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings had a heck of a game. He but would have been. He would have guys, almost been the MVP if at times. He might have been the Super Bowl MVP if the 49ers won. Like taking yeah. away from my stupid like Chris Conley jokes, but uh, yeah, like you have all these weapons, but you don't have a drop back passing game, like yeah. a, a really effective one. And I think it shows. I think you need to have a, a very effective drop back passing game to win the big game. I could be proven wrong next year. Maybe the 49ers just go out and win the whole thing next year and it's behind a run game and play action. But what I think is that when you get the extra prep time, look, their run game was ineffective. 
So what's your next move? I know some people talk about run the ball more, like kind of stunk. They couldn't, they couldn't run the ball more. Yeah, they couldn't run the ball because the Chiefs loaded the box on it. And when you're getting the box loaded on you and you can't throw the ball without play action, you're toast. Like if yeah. all you have are designer plays that they have spent an entire week getting ready to stop, getting ready to give different coverage looks and, you know, run, run, run the weak safety down to take away crossers or whatever else is going or play an inside leverage on a lot of this stuff. So when they break inside, it's thrown right at the corner, right at the DB, whoever, you know, they're cheating some of the, the 49ers specials. So what's your change up to that? Like, can you run drop back pass game? And they couldn't, they couldn't really effectively run a drop back passing offense. So when the chiefs adjusted, took away the run game and, were taking away some of those designer 49ers plays, they didn't have an answer. At least I haven't watched the film, but that's what it looked like to me. And that's frustrating, right? Like I would hate if I got to, a, if I got to a Super Bowl, and the reason we couldn't win was because drop back passing game wasn't good enough. And is what it is. I, I heard JT O'Sullivan say the same thing though. So I do feel pretty vindicated in trying to make this point. I, but yeah, anyway. Don't yeah. get so mad at what the Bengals do with their spread drop back pass game because I feel like that's what gets you the big championship. That's what gets you the championship. They haven't won it, and they didn't. They didn't put up a good enough game against the Rams to win it. I mean, yeah. maybe they did, but you know. Well, you see it. their offensive line. I mean, he didn't. The second half didn't work out, but it wasn't because like, oh, we don't have any drop back pass game answers. It was because oh, our offensive line is sixty percent guys that'll be out of the league next year, and sure. they're finally finding a way to attack that, which is its own issue. I don't think they had to have that issue this year, but yeah. Anyway, long take just because I wanted to get that off because I remember early in the season, every, and I mean, everybody is posting those stupid route Mike charts, things left and right about McDaniel's offense. Oh, they scored 70 against the Broncos. You know what? He scored like 10 against the chiefs in the playoffs. That's what I don't want. I don't want to have an office that's so predicated on like these runs and play action off of it, which Run pass conflict is huge. I want them to be better at this. I'm not saying they should be the worst in the league at this, but what I'm saying is the idea that they need to bring in a McDaniel guy, a, a Shanahan guy, you know, a guy from that tree so that they can run this offense with Burrow. Because imagine that offense with Burrow. I can. It's what the it's what the Rams did with Stafford, which was not the offense. It's more like what the Bengals are doing now. It's I'm different. not gonna lie though, seeing the Niners only scored three points and I know it's a different defense because you have guys like Chris Jones and and I do trust the Chiefs defense I think the Chiefs defense was more impressive than anything the offense did but look I got know, man oh man I want to talk about this whole time we are, yeah, we're, we are going to move on to our next segment we are going to move on to our next segment because we do need to break and then we're going to talk a little more about the second half and the defense plenty to plenty to talk about but we got to break this up a little bit Mike next on it's always game day in Cincinnati we are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. There is so much to talk about this game. And the reason, <laughs> sorry, Mike, the reason I wanted to, to kind of move on to the second half and just the defense overall for Kansas yeah, State. I want to talk to you, defense. I want to talk to you. I did. I um I actually did a, uh, it was with Odyssey earlier in the morning, and we talked about this game. And I said, you know, here's who I trust more. Obviously, you can trust Patrick Mahomes. I do not bet against him. That's why I actually picked Kansas City to win on our podcast. I picked them to win on that show. And I said, I just trust the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs more. That's what worries me. Well, honestly, I hope Chris Jones doesn't play for them next year. And I hope he goes to the NFC, to be completely honest with you. Um, but he terrorizes a game in the playoffs. That secondary is good, and it's young, and it scares me. I'll be completely honest with you. They put pressure on him. Um, and that's what really changed the game. But, man, just watch 
watching that matchup, I thought, oh man, this is this this they're gonna find a way. I just trust, I trust what they did. And I don't think that they got enough credit in that game. I know they're gonna give the MVP to the quarterback, and obviously Patrick Mahomes last drive in overtime. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we should be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs defense this morning. Yeah, and uh, a step further, I know we always want to talk about quarterback legacy, this and that. Can we talk about Steve Spagnuolo's legacy as a defensive coordinator? He stopped the 07 Patriots and won a game against them in the Super Bowl where they didn't score much at all. He then was the coordinator for three or four Chiefs Super Bowls. Now, I know Arians got him. We can be honest about that. And I think that uh, Gannon – or. Uh, Steichen. Steichen and Sirianni, they got him a bit last year. I mean, they made some opportunistic plays, but I, overall, I think the Matt Eagles... Taylor's gotten him a little bit before. Well, I'm talking Super Bowls. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so... But other than that, he was the best coach in a game with Bill Belichick. He was the best coach on the field in that 07 Super Bowl. Second, he was the best coach in the first Chiefs 49ers matchup. Mm-hmm. their ability to stop the 49ers is what won them that game. I mean, I remember that Chiefs, if I'm remembering correctly, that Chiefs game kind of started slow. I don't think the 49ers were moving the ball all over them in that game. In their Super Bowl wins, he was not the best coach against the Eagles, but he, again, was the best coach in this game. So he's been the best coach in games that featured Bill Belichick, in games that featured Andy Reid and um, Kyle Shanahan twice. He was the best coach in those games. I know we we talk so much about quarterback legacies. What I, I know his regular season defenses are not always the most impressive. No, but I feel like what he has done has made him to me one of the defining defensive play callers of the generation. And yeah. honestly, it could go earlier because that 07 Super Bowl was like last generation. So he's been doing this forever. He only got one shot at being a head coach, and it was with a very bad team that probably is going to fail either way. And since then, people are talking about who's the third most important chief. Is it Chris Jones? Is it whoever? Because if Mahomes and Reed, uh, maybe fourth most important, and Kelsey are your top three most important chiefs, who's number four on this team? Like, who's the fourth? It's Spags. It's Steve Spagnuolo. Come on. Like, what are we doing? I don't – why would you pick just a defensive player when he, as the coordinator of that defense, has held these offenses to low-scoring games? I don't know. I was I, I came away super impressed. He took away everything the 49ers wanted to do and tried to make them be what they aren't. And while they were able to move the ball up and down a little bit, and maybe we're having a different discussion if they don't shoot themselves in the foot so much. Yeah. I felt like overall heck of a game from him. So wanted to talk about that a little bit just because fired me up about it. I love Spags. I mean, another uh, Italian defensive coordinator always calling these high-end games, him and Anna Rumo. He is. He's 64 years old. I would love it if he just said, you know what, I'm going to retire because I can see him being a guy who I know we talk about maybe that next opportunity to be a head coach again, but he feels like a guy who is in mid-60s and he's like, I'll just be a DC lifer the rest of the time. And that terrifies me a little bit. What, uh, what, uh, he's not even getting interviews. Like, that's the thing that would frustrate me. Like, I, I'm, I've won all these, I've won these rings. I've Patrick been Holmes. a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. But like, he's, you could see that he's been a great dude. I thought in that AFC championship game last year, called an awesome game to get them he there. Did. Yeah. He did. 
He so, did because I thought the Bengals when they were when he threw to Hayden Hurst in the fourth quarter, I thought the Bengals are going to go down the field and they're going to score a touchdown or they're going to score uh, or kick a field goal. And he did enough. He did enough. Got one on ones and then finding ways to defend the run, rush the passer while also always keeping two guys over top of the two threats. Thought that was a good game from him. And yeah. uh, I mean. Yeah, I was, I was with Hayden I mean, a lot of what the Bengals moved the ball that game were kind of like chuck it. That guy, mm-hmm. Chase Higgins, they just got to come down with this, and they did. They and did. It was awesome, but like that is also is also in my brain of like, do, do you put that on the defensive coordinator? Like, you can't catch no. the ball for the guy. <laughs> no, those were impressive um, catches. Yeah, I think if you wanted to argue other Chiefs Bengals games you could but especially the very first one because Spags didn't really respect Burrow yet so he's still sending all that pressure and stuff but uh I feel like he's been the one quarterback to make Spags stop sending pressure was Joe Burrow which Wink Martindale did not stop doing and then well he's not going to play against um what Michigan I think they have Wink now I, I love everything about it. Um, he's that that's going to, I will always love that game against the Baltimore Ravens uh, right around Christmas, but kind of just going with that. I, 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 I just can't do it. I can't do the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan legacy talk. Um, I am not there. P- Patrick Mahomes is quarterback. Number one. We all know that he is a great talent. He has three Super Bowls in five tries. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, credit to him, what he's been able to do. Um, picked him to win, can't bet against him, has a great defense, has a Hall of Fame coach. Um, Travis Kelsey, that'll be something, I feel like, how many more years left of Tra- Travis Kelsey in Kansas City? We'll see what that looks like for him after this season. Um, but I just can't. He's coming I, back for sure. So We'll see what he looks like. I, th- I, mean, I think he looked awesome in the playoffs. Like he looked awesome in the playoffs, but regular season, I guess none of that really matters if you're coming out and winning rings um, mm-hmm. at the end of it. But um, we said but, about the Bengals. I think we could say it about the Chiefs. Like if the Bengals yeah. start slow and finish strong, who cares? Oh, we're gonna get to that in just a moment. We're gonna get to that in just a moment. That was the biggest thing that I learned from the Kansas City Chiefs, honestly. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they got it done. I just, I mean, if I was a Kansas City fan, believe me, I'd be standing on 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 a tower saying, "Yes, he is the next Tom Brady. He is going to do it." And I know it's extremely impressive. He's 28 years old. He has three Super Bowls. Great for him. I just, that's just that makes for a long off season of comparing him and Tom Brady. And I know we're gonna have to do it until somebody else takes him off his throne. We. Um, I ain't doing that. Oh, sorry. I'm glad we're not. I'm glad we're not. But man, I, just, I can't do it. It is. I told myself I, was, I haven't watched national sports talk radio or national sports talk shows since Joe Burrow went down. There's there's no time. I'm not turning back now. I'm not. I, there's no reason to watch any of that for me personally. But, you know, credit to the Chiefs. I'll be completely honest with you. I know a third one. It's like, ah, oh, it's a little bummer. Another a new team didn't win or even the San Francisco 49ers. I like Brock Purdy. I like the Niners. And, you know, they haven't won in a while. If you're a 49ers fan and you're in your 20s, you haven't experienced a Super Bowl, even though they have several of them. Um, so it's a little crazy. But for me, um, I think last year's Super Bowl hurt me more just because the Bengals were so close again and going to the AFC championship game and losing um, by a walk-off field goal. This one really just didn't bother me. I'm like, keep, you know, hopefully the Bengals can get in the way of it. We'll see what happens. It takes health. It takes luck. It takes experience. And it really takes getting hot at the right time. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to start with the uh, the defer the overtime. I want to be completely honest with you. Here we go. It, it really sounds like 
maybe the 49ers player. Everyone's going to feel a little different when the game's over and you're going to be talking to reporters, but it really felt like they weren't on the same page and they really didn't understand the rules. There are so many ways to look at it because you get two op- you get two chances. You get mm-hmm. a chance, they get a chance. So no matter what, they were going to get a chance, even if they would have deferred. But for me, it, it tells you what you need to do. Even though I think a Chiefs player said after the game, if they would have scored a touchdown second or if they would have sco- scored the touchdown, um, if they would have deferred and they scored the touchdown, they would have went for two to just end it or win the game. I don't think I could do that. If Zach Taylor called that, I would, I would think about that forever if they didn't get it. Uh, but for me personally, I would have probably deferred just so you knew what to do because it really felt like the Niners were just playing for the field goal. So, man, a long take on this too. I think at the uh, first off, I want to get this out of the way. It's not at all why they lost. No, no, no. They had opportunity. This is a fun discussion. The reason they lost to me, there's a bunch of reasons why they lost, but if you want to look at something, a coaching decision in overtime as to why they lost, there's two of them. One, pulling the guard, pulling the center on that pass play. It's stupid. But two, not going for it on fourth down. I would have just gone for it. Like, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs offense probably going to score a touchdown if you give them the ball. You're right. And they have four downs to play with the entire time. I'm going for it on that fourth down and trying to score the touchdown to keep ahead of them. So I think there's one thing you look at right now is that Madden has this rule. And I know this sounds stupid, but I feel like the Madden people are usually ahead of the curve when it comes to what the best way to handle these overtimes, the rules and regulations, time management, et cetera. Like the pro Madden players are the best at this. What they currently do is choose to receive. And then when they score the first touchdown, if they score the first touchdown, when they receive, go for two. And that way you're guaranteed to either win or get the ball back. But what I would do right now, because I don't think coaches are going to do that if they score the first touchdown. If, they, if you kick the ball to them and they score a touchdown, I would kick, especially if I was the 49ers in that situation, because I think that Reed might have just kicked the extra point. You kind of just put that brain into there's so like when you're not playing a video game right. and you have to manage right. personalities, you have to manage personnel. You've got all these in-game decisions going on in your head. Say the Chiefs score the touchdown. I think they might have just kicked the extra point and then kicked it off. And then if I'm the 49ers, one, yeah, I know I have to score a touchdown here. So I'm a four down offense the entire way down the field. But two, mm-hmm. I'm going for two. I'm going for two. If they score a touchdown, kick the extra point. I'm going for two. Like I'm going for the win. I'm not giving them the ball back again. So that's what I would fear. Sorry, that's what I would do if I was in that situation. Now, these coaches have so much going on that, you know, it's it's hard to think about all that. But in my brain, like right now, the best decision is to let the other coach not make all the optimal decisions. But in like seven years, everybody who – I feel like it's going to be common to choose to receive and then go for two if you score a touchdown. And then you're going to want to receive the ball first because if you do that, you're basically guaranteed the win, at least a very high chance of it. Um, but I don't know. We'll see it all play out. It's new. It's a, it's new. Thanks it's fun for about. this rule. Yeah. And it's probably never coming up again. Can Do you know what the first Super Bowl to go to overtime was? Was it? I don't know. Falcons Patriots in 2016. Do you know the last Super Bowl to go to overtime before this one? Falcons Patriots in 2016. I'm the only other one. 
I wanted so badly because I was on FanDuel that morning and I really don't bet a lot. I bet like a dollar, two dollars or whatever, maybe like ten dollars the whole entire weekend. But I wanted so badly to say, we'll just go to overtime. And I wanted to say yes. And I did not do it. And it just bothered me because the odds were insane. It was like twenty five hundred. For it to go to overtime? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only happened one time before, so I get it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that's my current feel on this is like kick it and let the other coach have the pressure and probably create and probably make a mistake because coaches in the NFL, as great as they are at a lot of things and as awesome as Andy Reid is, he's never been known as a guy that always makes the right decision in the in like um, time management type of situation. I feel like that stuff kind of gets to him sometimes. Now, I guess if you're playing against Dan Campbell, would you want to receive first? Because I think he is the type that would just go right down the field, score a touchdown, and go for two, and just try to put it away. I think he is first drive. Yeah, so that'd be one I'd I'd think about. But like, know your opponent and how they're going to play the chessboard. Would Reed have gone for two if he scored first? Maybe, but I also feel like you just kick it. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't think Shanahan would have gone for two on that first possession too. By the way, so him going. And being like choosing to receive, if he's, I mean, he's gonna kick a field goal on fourth and four. He's not going for two if they score a touchdown. Come on. And then the Chiefs were gonna go for two if they scored the touchdown on the returning drive. So the you Chiefs know, had the advantage there. But yeah, it didn't matter. Like I've said at the beginning of that, none of it mattered because that's not why the 49ers lost. But I find it fun to discuss and talk about just because it's new, it's exciting, and we don't know what every team should be doing, really. We don't. It's absolutely crazy to think. I'll be completely honest with you. When it was with like three seconds to go, I thought Kansas City was going to score the touchdown. I thought the game was over. I was like, game's over. There's going to be no time left. They're going to score a touchdown and they're not even going to go to overtime. So for it to go to overtime, if you're the 49ers, you're like, I'm just trying to catch my breath right now because I cannot believe that that just happened. Why do we have a game clock for overtime? I do not know. I think it's just sides. Maybe. Yeah, that Maybe. makes sense. But yeah, when that was clicking down, I was like, oh, none of it matters. Do they have to score? It was like, no. I was like, why do we have this? Yeah. <laughs> like, we just need a play clock. <laughs> I think it was just to switch sides. But if anything, they I don't know. I it, I think a lot of people I, at that moment, it's easy to look back on and, and say, you know, you should have done this or you should have done that. But I get it. The defense yeah. was just on the field. Um, and, you know, maybe they felt confident and they were able to get down the field. I really thought they were going to be able to score a touchdown. Um, they but pro- they, and maybe they could have if they would have went for it and yeah. tried to like put everything into. I would want. I, I don't think Zach Taylor would go for two if he scored it, if he received and then scored the first touchdown too. I think that's another mm-hmm. guy. Like I think a lot of coaches would not try to go for two after scoring, even mm-hmm. if that is what maybe you should be doing because the other now you're putting in the other team's hands where they know what they need and they could win the game if they really want to try to go for two there. But if I was watching that game as a Bengals fan and Zach Taylor sent out the kick unit on fourth and four, go for that. Just go because I would feel in my heart, like, come on, I I don't want to give the ball back to Mahomes and all he needs and he needs a touchdown to win. And I, that's probably happening. Like, I, don't right. know. I guess they stopped him before. Like well, we do. stopped him before. But I mean, the way that game was going, like the the late in the fourth quarter, felt like the Chiefs' offense is doing what they want. Like you said, the 49ers' defense was on the field a long time. Well, they're on the field a long time because they the butts kicked too. Yeah. Like the, all the way down the field that second half. So 
I don't know. I would have made him go out first. I would have made that 49ers defense go out. Like, hey, you guys give him a touchdown anyway. I don't care if you're gassed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's yeah, if they give up a touchdown, you know what to do. Exactly. You know what, you know what you got to do. I, I, I just think that if he could take it back, even though he said he trusted analytics and all that stuff, because no coach is going to say he made a wrong decision. Zach Taylor later said, you know, at a press conference in the spring or probably OTs or something like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I probably would have made a different decision, but you're always going to, you know, look back months later and say things could have been different. The 49ers had opportunities. Um, If you're the, like I said, if you're the 49ers, you wake up today and you're just angry for the missed opportunities to not capitalize, to not score points. You fumbled on your first drive. And I felt like that's when we knew things are going to be easy for them. And it really felt like they were up by a whole lot at halftime and they weren't to be honest, um, they had controlled the game for the most part. And one of the only touchdowns in regulation for the Kansas City Chiefs was an error. Um, so it's absolutely crazy to think about um, how it ended. But, hey, they got it done. They're back-to-back champs three years in a row. We'll see if um, somebody can stop them from being a three-peat next year, hopefully. Uh, there is uh, one more segment I want to get to when it's kind of the lessons we learned over the playoffs. I know you kind of hit on it earlier on, early on, but I think there's more to talk about when it comes to the playoffs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. One of the biggest things, and we've mentioned it a couple times in this podcast, and I think, you know, we put so much into it's a really tough AFC. AFC. It is. The, you know, health was not on the Bengals side. It wasn't on a lot of NFL team sides this year. Um, when you think about some of the starting quarterbacks, the backup quarterbacks that we watched. But the most important thing for me is, yes, it would be nice for the Cincinnati Bengals to start out hot. At the end of the day, we can look back at the Kansas City Chiefs so many times this season and say, I mean, just remember Christmas Day. That game like will forever be in my mind of, well, man, they're not going to get anywhere. If they get in the playoffs, they might lose the first round. What's Patrick Mahomes going to look like on the road? Um, and it just kind of proves just get in there. Absolutely get in there and anything can happen. And there are only a few quarterbacks in the NFL that I trust who can do that. And I would say Joe Burrow is definitely one of them. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is one of them. I think you can take a lot from what you saw from the Kansas city chiefs. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation about T Higgins and what that looks like and Jamar chase. And um, you look at Patrick Mahomes and his offensive line and the weapons that he had this year was absolutely crazy. They underperformed even Travis Kelsey did most of regular season. At the end of the day, if you got your franchise quarterback, you go when you have some health. Um, that is the most important thing for me personally when I think about kind of the outlook for the Cincinnati Bengals. It would be very ideal to win the AFC North. you got to be more competitive in your division. This year was obviously a failure for them. But just let me see what you look like in November. Let me see what you like look like in late October. And that's what we really noticed in the last few years from this team when they started to get on a hot streak. And I think that's the most important part for me personally because you mentioned it with this offense is – you look at the Miami Dolphins, you look at the 49ers to start the season. It's a shiny new toy, what they're able to do. These offenses are so exciting. I wish Zach Taylor would give up play calling. Well, yep, every year, every year, every year, Zach Taylor added a new offensive assistant from Oregon today, another member on the staff. And I think that's absolutely huge because you are replacing Brian Callahan with pretty much two people. Um, obviously, Dan Pitcher is going to be the offensive coordinator. They have their assistant quarterback coach they have a quarterback coach and then another offensive assistant coming to the team and, and left off the vikings pass game new pass game coordinator. Yeah, like, forgot about him. yeah so I, some people have said 
does Zach know he needs a better like come on uh, uh, but uh I think what I mean maybe that's what it is but to me what that is is Brian Callahan is here for a while and you need a few guys to replace that because he was a seasoned coach that's been illegal a while so you know let's get multiple guys to replace him and you do basically have to replace pitcher it just kind of backfill that way mm-hmm. now, I'm never opposed to adding minds from different places of you know just more brain fuel in this system so that when guys are taken away, maybe you have some guys with different approaches, different thoughts, always good to get to not be in an echo chamber of everybody saying the same thing to you. Yeah. I think that's absolutely huge. And we'll see how it all works out because there could be Dan pitcher was on, he wanted like four or five teams wanted to interview him for offensive coordinator this year. And the Bengals ended up promoting him. Thankfully, Brian Callahan was hired so early on in the process, or we might be having a different conversation about their offensive coordinator right now. But you have to think about the future for that. If Dan Pitcher has one good year as the offensive coordinator, he could be getting head coaching jobs next year. Um, just like most of these hot offensive coordinators or even defensive coordinators, it could really happen. So if you get more of these young minds in your building, it's always going to help better for the internal hire, hires and the transition to what we might see after a guy like Dan Pitcher if he leaves in a year or two, um, depending on how your offense looks. So I think all of that stuff is extremely important. And I don't know. I just think kind of looking back on the playoffs and just the season as a whole, look, I want this team to start out hot. It makes life so much easier when you're not playing from 0-2 star, 1-2, and 2-2. and It's kind of frustrating when you do have all the talent because – you know, what if you are dealing with injuries and you that's when you can kind of take some of those losses in the midway point of the season. But at the end of the day, just get your offense going, stay healthy and get into the dance and see what happens. I, I just the number one seed stuff, it it sounds fun. And obviously, Kansas City has had the number one seed plenty of times. They didn't have it this year. Um, the Bengals have given them the, you know, the home field because they've taken out number one seeds before. But I, I don't know. I, I don't look too much into it. It sounds awesome. And it would be great to play all your home games in the playoffs, have the number one seed. But at the end of the day, none of it matters if you don't win at all. To me, it's about skipping that first game. Like, yeah, the home field is important. I, I, I would love if That'd the Bengals nice. could get what the Ravens got. But it is about how you finish, not how you start. So you got to finish strong. Ideally, you just are able to, while ideally you don't start as slow as they start. It's similar to the conversation I was having about like the reason they're putting all this, the eggs into the drop back pass game is because at the highest level in the biggest games, that's the most important form of offense, but that doesn't mean you should have the league worst run game play action combo. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it's how you finish. That doesn't mean you should be going one and three or whatever for getting it four and five after nine games. Like you, you should be better than that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you an excuse for that because you don't want to kick yourselves out of the number one seed contention. And the Chiefs don't. I think that's another big part of it. Is like they have lulls here and there, um, but especially when they were dominating the regular season, they would start hot. Even if they weren't their best team, they would win those games. So win games early three and one, four and two type of team. And then still, if you can hit that streak and get hot on the back half of the year, take it into the playoffs, would love to have what the Ravens got. That just just the play one game you're in the conference championship and you're hosting. Gotta see you gotta be able to put together a whole season to be able to do that. But 
like we talked about, it's how you finish, not how you start. So the most important thing is to finish strong. But, oh, man, I just, it's just, uh, it feels so much easier to make the, you know, like make it when you get to skip a game. Because right. even these seven seeds aren't bad usually. I mean, some of them have been. But you could lose a guy in those games. Think about the Bills. They lost guys in that Steelers matchup that, was that when? Milano? No, not Milano. Is that when I thought they lost somebody, but I can't remember at this moment. So many oh, it was the backup linebacker. It was Milano's backup, I think, got hurt. So then they're down to like their fourth string linebacker. You don't want to, even if you're going to win those games, you yeah. play a team that's like a tough physical and tough out like the Steelers, and then you lose a guy for the next round. Let's, let's get a week of rest rather than the week of having to play a game which comes with the possibility of injuries which would just be unfortunate um but yeah it's how you finish though now we're i'm going back and forth on that so much but it's, it's just yeah the ravens had such yeah, a just if joe burrow someone asked me today they said is it all just joe burrow staying healthy and i said it's obviously joe burrow staying healthy is absolutely the biggest thing for me tell me if someone promised me joe burrow was going to stay healthy and not have a calf injury nothing he was going to be fine and he was going to be out there no limitations I would say I believe in my team with the roster they currently have. But I do think Duke Tobin, uh, Kelsey Conway did an interview over on um, ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati and obviously a Cincinnati Inquirer reporter. And she had said, you know, her conversation, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but obviously talking to Duke at the Senior Bowl. And he's, and even on Bengals.com, you can see it. The trenches are extremely important for the Cincinnati Bengals this year. I will, and they have to be on the defensive side and on the offensive line, because you have to replace Jonah Williams if you're not bringing him back. And then obviously DJ reader, we've already talked about plenty of that. Uh, when you think about the defensive tackle position and just on the D line and depth and starters. So I think that's the biggest thing for me, get these trenches. It could be in free agency, which we will find out about in a less than a month. What, what's going to happen there and go draft them. You've got to eventually have trust in this team drafting a offensive lineman. You just do. You can't be afraid the rest of your life. <laughs> you, you've got to let them finally flourish as uh, uh, drafting an offensive lineman. And they need that for the future. You need to save money there. So that's my biggest thing. I think that's a world of difference, what that looks like for the Bengals and get a fullback. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's any available in this draft, like, but they talked so much about Hunter Lipke last mm -hmm. year. And it was like, I don't think the Bengals would do it. This would be great. But I, I do think that is a takeaway for the final four is have mm -hmm. the ability to get heavy to get big in the situations. And I know the 49ers weren't able to take advantage of that. Chiefs were the entire mm -hmm. postseason of getting 12 and 13 personnel, getting multiple tight ends on the field and winning that way. Just have multiple answers for what the defense presents you. I think that's a better way to phrase this. And what the Bengals already have is answers for when defenses load the box or can't compete with their wide receivers. But when defenses are doing the opposite and they're playing mm -hmm. shell coverage, keep everything in front of them, Add, it could be a fullback. It could be adding multiple capable tight ends. I don't think it drives me insane. It's like they, they get guys that can do one specific thing, find two guys that can do everything. That would be ideal. Have, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't watched these free agent tight ends, but have two of those guys. Have a guy mm -hmm. that can block and receive and have another guy that can block and receive. And then that, I feel like, is how you get into these 12 personnels and get treated seriously rather than, Let's put in a guy that can't block at all with a guy that can't receive at all. 
well, yeah. we know what these guys are probably doing. Right? Yeah, like, there's so much to look at. And honestly, we'll we'll find out a lot in the next three to four weeks when it comes to free agency and some of the cap decisions they have to make. And franchise tag, we will know that in about two weeks um, because they will have to make that decision. And obviously, signs are pointing to franchise tagging wide receiver T. Higgins. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, plenty of offseason to come. Roster moves for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow updates when we get them. What is going to be overall in all Bengals? Probably another uh, scouting report. I don't know who, but I'll probably try to get one out, at least one a week for right now. And then we'll hit uh, free agency and that'll take up a lot of my time. And then we'll be back to draft season. And then it, and then everything comes to a halt. Then it, then we get those OTA practices in there. Then we get some training camp practices in there. And then we're counting down until preseason. So there's no offseason in the NFL. Um, there's 206 days until it all begins again. So we will have plenty to talk about with this Cincinnati Bengals and this roster going into the 2024 season. You can follow along Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Alan Diaz Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.